Welcome to Advance with MUSE Health. I'm your host, Erin Spain. This show's mission is to help you find ways to preserve and optimize your health and get the care you need to live well. Some cancers can be difficult to treat with traditional chemotherapy. Appendix, colon, and gynecologic cancers that have spread to the lining of the abdominal cavity can fall into this category. MUSC Health is one of the few locations in South Carolina to offer such patients a surgical treatment that involves using heated chemotherapy inside the abdominal cavity to kill cancer cells. This procedure is called HIPEC. Here to discuss the procedure and the incredible results it offers many patients is Dr. Jeffrey Sutton. He is a surgical oncologist at MUSC Health and the Hollings Cancer Center. Welcome to the show, Dr. Sutton. Thanks so much, Erin. Great to be here. Tell me a little bit about your path to becoming a surgical oncologist. Some people say they have that aha moment where they say, this is the reason I want to do surgery. This is the reason I want to go into medicine. You know, thinking back, I've always been interested in surgery. I love using my hands. I love the instant gratification of performing a procedure and getting instant results. So I don't really have that aha moment, but just something I've always been interested in. It wasn't until my third year of medical school in which we rotate on the different surgical services that I became interested in surgical oncology as a specialty. What I loved was the variety of cases, the simple melanoma excisions or the very, you know, much larger excisions lasting all day long and working with these patients in a very vulnerable time in their lives and just achieving good outcomes and giving them hope. So I like that aspect of surgical oncology is removing cancer and getting those instant gratification results. As you mentioned, a lot of these people, it is a very difficult time in their lives. Most of the patients you see with metastatic appendix, colon, or gynecologic cancers, when they discover their disease, what sort of symptoms are they experiencing? Excellent question. There's a large variety of symptoms that these patients can experience. One of the reasons these typical tumors are difficult to treat sometimes is the vagueness of the symptoms that these patients can present with. Oftentimes, they'll just have a a vague nausea maybe some abdominal pain, some cramping, chalk it up to constipation or irritable bowel. A lot of times patients don't present with many symptoms at all, unfortunately, until the disease has has spread beyond where it started. Of course, you do get lots of typical symptoms that associated with these tumors, such as appendicitis. If you have a tumor in the appendix that's blocking it, you can get the typical abdominal pain, blood in your stool, symptoms that accompany colon or rectal cancer. And similar to the GYN organs where you can just have sort of a vague lower abdominal or pelvic cramping that makes these tumors difficult to diagnose up front. And these tumors, they're different sometimes than other cancer tumors, these tumors of the appendix, colon, gynecologic cancers. Tell me about that. Depending where the organs live in the body can also determine where they sort of metastasize to or where they shed their tumor cells to. The appendix and the ovaries, as prime examples, they live down in the pelvis and they're sort of free-floating, if you will. And so when they have tumors within them that grow large enough to grow through the, the wall of the organ, they can shed cells into the lining of the space around it. And so it tends to allow for these tumors to spread into what's called the peritoneal cavity or the space in which most of the organs live in the body. That's different from a pancreas cancer, for example, which oftentimes will spread through the bloodstream or the lymphatic channels to the liver. The pancreas can also shed cells into the cavity surrounding it, but typically organs like the appendix, the ovaries, the stomach, they can sort of shed cells and those tumor cells can sort of land on the nearby organs or lining of the abdominal cavity called the peritoneum and start to grow. And those become the tumor deposits that we 
hopefully help to resect during the HIPEC procedure. So tell me about HIPEC. How does it work and how do you use this specialized surgery on patients? HIPEC itself is an acronym that stands for Heated Interperitoneal Chemotherapy. The HIPEC surgery itself is actually a two-part procedure. The first part involves something called cytoreduction, where we go in and remove all the cancer that, that we can see with our eyes, remove all the macroscopic cells. Sometimes that involves taking out the appendix and the right side of the colon. Sometimes that involves taking out things called like the omentum or different areas of small intestine. Sometimes it involves taking out ovaries, fallopian tubes, uterus. In addition, sometimes it involves removing the lining of the peritoneum, which is, I think of like the wallpaper of the, the abdominal cavity. There's tumor nodules or deposits along that. We typically like to remove that. So we remove all the macroscopic disease that we can see. That's step one. Step two is the HIPEC part. And the HIPEC portion, we use a heated interperitoneal chemotherapy to kill all the microscopic tiny cells that may persist. It does us no good to go in and leave cancer behind. So we take out as much as we can see with our eyes and feel with our hands and then treat the microscopic disease afterwards with the hot chemo. And how long is the chemo? And they're sort of washing that cavity in a way, right? Correct. Yeah. So the surgery itself can be an all-day affair. The majority of the time is actually spent during the cytoreduction or the surgical part. Sometimes we'll have a good idea based on preoperative imaging how much disease exists in the abdomen. But sometimes we get inside and tumors can be tricky. They can be much smaller than we can typically see on a CAT scan. And so it may be that there's lots of tiny nodules spread throughout, which would be underestimated by CT scan findings. So once we get in there and remove all the tumor, we then treat the patients with the heated chemotherapy for about 90 minutes. After that, we, we do sort of cleanup. We do any anastomoses where we sew the bowel or staple the bowel back together and then close the abdomen. So again, sometimes that can be a four-hour procedure. In all total, sometimes I mean, I've done high picks that lasted up to 14, 15 hours sometimes. And this is a very specialized surgery. So tell me about your path to giving this surgery. So I was fortunate enough as part of both my residency training and my fellowship training to have a lot of experience in treating these patients. I was fortunate enough to train at the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center for my surgical oncology fellowship in which we did multiple high pecs per week on patients. So it's not a surgery that is offered a lot of places like typical gallbladders or, or hernia surgery. This is a much more specialized field that requires a lot of training and is recommended to be performed at higher volume centers. So I'm fortunate enough based upon my, my training experience and my the mentors I've worked with to be taught this technique and to be able to utilize it to help patients in South Carolina and beyond. This sort of surgery, the outcomes can really be impactful for patients. It can really improve their chances of living a longer, healthier life with many of them have metastatic cancer. Tell me about how successful this surgery can be. You're right. We are pushing the envelope in terms of who we are considering surgical candidates. You know, it used to be that anyone gets diagnosed with stage four disease, they're ultimately considered non-operative and they go down the chemotherapy or radiation route alone. We are really advancing the field in terms of who we are considering operative candidates and who we are offering surgery to, especially in this setting of metastatic or stage four disease. In terms of success rates, a lot of it depends on several factors. Number one is what organ are we actually treating? The appendix, the ovaries, the stomach, the colon and rectum, they can all present with similar intra-abdominal metastases. Not all tumors act the same, though. There are 
low grade ones that are slower growing. There are high grade ones that are more aggressive and, and faster growing. Even within the appendix, you can have lower grade or slower growing tumors, which can be treated well and even offer an opportunity for cure. Whereas some of the tumors in the appendix, well, most of the tumors in the appendix, where we're trying to sort of extend life and minimize symptoms. So a lot of it depends on the patient's particular organ involvement, the, the grade or the aggressiveness of the tumor itself, how much disease exists. That being said, though, there are patients who are presenting with stage four disease who are still alive, you know, five, eight, 10 years later. So there's certainly a lot of discussion that goes into choosing which patients are, are optimal candidates for the surgery. We always present these patients that are a multidisciplinary tumor board. So we get buy-in from surgeons, from radiologists, from medical oncologists, from radiation oncologists, from GI doctors. And so we all sort of view and treat cancer through different lenses. And it's helpful to have those different viewpoints to determine which patients may benefit most from the treatment. Unfortunately, most patients, once they're stage four, the chance of cure is, is rather low. And so oftentimes what we're, my goal in the surgery and offering to patients is to prolong both the quality and the quantity of life and hopefully allow patients to see their grandchild's graduation or be around for that next anniversary. So what is the window of time that's most optimal for this surgery? I know it might depend patient to patient, but when would you say is the best time to have it for the best outcome? There are really two sets of patients who get diagnosed with metastatic disease. There are those who present with stage four disease up front. So no knowledge of any cancer. They may have some symptoms or they may get a colonoscopy, which finds a colon cancer and your workup eventually diagnoses a metastatic lesion in the liver or around the abdomen. There are also patients who had a previously resected cancer and have gotten their chemo and maybe down the road, maybe six months, a year, two years, four years, present now as all of a sudden on surveillance, I mean, they have a new spot or they have several spots or they have new symptoms, which warrants that workup. And so a lot of it depends on where in the treatment course the patient is. Typically, if patients present with what we call synchronous lesions, meaning say they have a, a cancer in the appendix that they didn't know about, and all of a sudden it's already spread, those patients will tend to get chemotherapy up front through the veins, the typical chemotherapy we think of, and then it's determined afterwards whether they are, are good candidates for the HIPEC procedure or not. Um, it typically ranges from about three to six months of, of chemotherapy. Now, there are also patients who had a previously resected cancer, and maybe they've already gotten systemic or IV chemotherapy, who present a year or two later with disease. Now, if there's relatively little disease and tumor burden at that point, then those patients may be candidates for HIPEC up front without needing additional IV chemotherapy right away. So again, there's a lot of nuance to this. And then unfortunately, my training has allowed me to appreciate the nuances of this and know which patients may benefit. But a lot of it is based on where an individual patient is in the, the treatment course and where their tumor started and how long it's been since it was diagnosed. Besides the chemotherapy being warmed and heated, how is it different than the traditional chemotherapy that goes in the vein? This chemotherapy, for example, doesn't cross into the bloodstream. Why is that important? In terms of the heated aspect, we know from studies done in the 1970s in animal models that this chemotherapy, when heated, tends to penetrate a little bit deeper. And so again, when you think about what HIPEC is treating, HIPEC is not treating the tumors inside the liver or inside the lungs or inside organs. It's treating the tumors that are sitting around 
or on top of organs. And so while we don't need the chemotherapy to penetrate deep, we do need it to penetrate a couple millimeters in order to make sure that all the tumor nodules that are lining the, these organs and lining the perineal cavity are getting treated. So the hyperthermic or the heated aspect of this chemotherapy, we know allows it to penetrate just a little bit deeper to maybe get another millimeter or two of disease and, and treat those residual disease nodules. Now, the beauty of this chemotherapy is that, as you mentioned, it doesn't cross into the bloodstream. A lot of the side effects or symptoms people have from traditional chemotherapy is based on the intolerance or the toxicity of that chemotherapy as it floats around the bloodstream. It interacts with the heart, it interacts with the liver, it interacts with the lungs, with the nerves. And so when medical oncologists calculate how much chemotherapy a patient should get, it's based on body size, body weight, tolerance, how much chemotherapy they've gotten in the past, because all those effects can result in significant toxicity. You know, if you think about, it'd be great to give a patient a very concentrated chemotherapy, but if they can't tolerate it and it's very toxic and the side effects are prohibitive, then it does no good to, to treat them with it. So medical oncologists are tasked with finding that delicate balance of finding the perfect dose that's strong enough, but not too strong, sort of the Goldilocks dose. Where that differs for the HIPEC procedure is that maybe two or 3% of this chemotherapy drug is getting absorbed meaning we can use a significant concentration, much higher concentration of these chemotherapy agents in the cavity itself and have it be much more effective at, at killing cancer cells than we can with the traditional chemotherapies. If we use the typical high-pet chemotherapy at that same dose in the bloodstream, patients would be extremely sick and, and no one would, would even want to undergo those systemic chemotherapy treatments. So in short, we're able to use very um, efficacious drugs and, and chemotherapeutic agents at very high concentrations that wouldn't otherwise be tolerated through the veins. Tell me about recovery then for people who go through this procedure. What is it like? So typically patients are in the hospital for about a week or two. Like any major surgery, complications can happen. So there are things that we're very wary about and watch out for. But the recovery is not much different from a typical sort of large surgery. Patients are in the hospital for a week or two. They go home usually eating, moving their bowels, sometimes may go to rehab depending on how long they're in the hospital for. And patients may feel sort of worn down, fatigued, maybe some abdominal cramping for a couple of weeks or months after the surgery. But typically the recovery is very similar to and based upon whatever they had undergone from a set of reduction standpoint. So if patients have multiple areas of the bowel resected and multiple procedures done during the sort of first half or the set of reduction portion of the surgery, um, then they may have a longer recovery. If there's relatively little disease burden and we get in and we remove some nodules, or there are even patients who, as I mentioned, have had their major surgery in the past, we're just going in to sort of clean up some nodules and remove some all tumor burden, and we don't actually remove any bowel, then those patients will have a very fast recovery. Tell me about HIPEC and how it's used at MUSC Health. How many surgical oncologists like yourself do the procedure? How many are taking place at MUSC Health? Being a large tertiary academic medical center and the only one in Charleston and, and really the only National Cancer Institute designated cancer center in South Carolina, there's a lot of opportunity to offer patients cutting edge, high quality cancer care, which is one of the reasons I came here and was recruited to bring HIPEC to MUSC. HIPEC is currently being performed here at MUSC, but my goal is to increase the volume of patients and increase our recruitment from the surrounding areas and make HIPEC a standard surgery that we 
become known for here at, at MUSC and just one of the many options to offer patients with metastatic cancer. I also have an interest in teaching residents and medical students. So of course, MUSC boasts a very large general surgery residency program and excellent medical school. And so I look forward to teaching them you know, cancer care and taking care of cancer patients. If someone's listening to this podcast right now, maybe they're trying to find out more about HIPEC. Maybe someone in their family is considering it. Why should they come to MUSC Health for a consultation and learn more? One of the challenges I've encountered in managing cancer patients is that there can be a lot of incorrect information that people read about online or hear about through friends. Cancer comes with a lot of questions. It's a very complex and confusing diagnosis, especially when you're dealing with metastatic stage four disease. My goal when I meet with patients and interact with them for the first time is to answer as many questions about the disease process as I can. That can be about the cancer itself. It can be about the treatment, the potential complications, the benefit, the longevity. There's a lot of questions that people come with and not everything you read online is going to be accurate. So my goal is to make sure that patients have a better understanding of their diagnosis, a better understanding of their treatment options, and also entertain those options, um, be it surgical, through systemic chemotherapy, radiation, or a combination of the three. What do you do to optimize your health and live well? In addition to trying to eat right and exercise, I do love to golf. And as a melanoma surgeon, I'm very religious about applying and reapplying sunscreen on the golf course. I am fairly fair-skinned, so I'm prone to burning. And I know that many years of, of sunburns down the road could increase my risk of melanoma. So I like to tell all patients to enjoy the outdoors to get your vitamin D, but also to apply sunscreen and avoid the sun when possible. For more information on this podcast, check out advance.musehealth.org.